We are starting a new series here today on the Lord's Prayer. Um, that is the prayer that was just recited for you. How many of you learned the Lord's Prayer growing up? Um, we felt uh, led to this summer spend some time teaching on the topics of worship and prayer. And so the last three weeks have been on the subject of worship. And Dave Fisher taught last week. Didn't he do a phenomenal job? Amen. Teaching on worship. Um, so the last three weeks have been on worship. The next few weeks we're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer together, teaching on prayer. And as we get into it, um, I just have to say that some of you have asked me about my shirt. Um, thank you. So my two sons, I have two sons, we're matching today for Father's Day. So that's what this is. I haven't lost my mind. <laughs> this isn't my new thing like the Hawaiian shirt pastor. Don't worry. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled clothing next Sunday. So uh, matching with my kids today. So anyway, uh, so we're spending time focusing specifically on worship and prayer over the summer. And we're going to use this uh, as the model prayer, this model prayer that the Lord gave us, the Lord's Prayer, as our outline for the next few weeks. And so if you would, open in with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and uh, also Luke 11. These are the two passages, the two gospel passages, where we see Jesus teach this prayer, the prayer that we heard in the video, as a, as a model for us to pray. So today we're going to look at the first line of the Lord's Prayer, which is very appropriate, actually, on Father's Day, which is the line, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. Can you say that with me? Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. Now when you think about prayer, what, what comes to your mind? What do you think about when you think about prayer? Do you think about maybe you grew up in uh, maybe a more traditional expression of the Christian faith and maybe you were taught more liturgical style of prayer or maybe you were taught to pray the rosary or to say our fathers or Hail Marys or or those things. What do you think of when you think of prayer? Do you get excited when you think about prayer? Or do you get scared when you think about prayer? Or worried about, am I going to have to go to a prayer meeting? And what, what is it that you think about when you hear the word prayer? You know, when I hear the word prayer, one thing uh, immediately comes to mind and always comes to mind. And that is my grandma Ruth Amen. Bell. Now, some of you knew my grandma Ruth Bell. Some of you didn't. Let me just tell you, if, if you knew anything about Ruth Bell, you knew that she was a prayer warrior. She, right, this is the section over here that knew Sister Ruth. She could pray. She could pray the paint off the walls. She could move mountains with her. I mean, this woman could pray. And she not only prayed herself, she taught other people how to pray got them activated in, in their prayer life. She, she was an incredible woman of prayer. Now, what many of you didn't see, many of you saw her public prayers, 
uh, at like early morning prayer, 6 a.m. praying. But what many of you didn't see was that she would pray every morning before she went to morning prayer. When we would spend the night with her as her grandchildren, we'd go and spend the night with grandma and grandpa. The thing that woke us up every morning was not an alarm clock, was not the best part of waking up, Folgers in your cup. It, the thing that woke us, thank you, that one person that thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> encouraging me. Uh, the, no, the thing that woke us up was the sound of my grandma's voice crying out to God on her knees in her bedroom with the doors shut, woke us up. This woman would, would cry out to God, would lift up her voice and, and, and weep and cry for her neighbors, for the marriages of this church, for her grandchildren. I'd be sitting in there think, hearing her, save Matthew, use him as in your kingdom, make him a mighty man of God. And I'm just like, give Matthew some rest. Let Matthew go back to sleep. She was, I mean, in, it, it, was, it, it was uncanny. I've never seen anybody like it. I've never seen anybody pray like it before. We'd be at a restaurant and, you know, you, the food comes and you're going to pray a blessing before you eat the food. And, like, the food would get cold. And, you know, they'd start, like, turning off the lights at the restaurant, you know. Like, the food would come and she'd say, Father you bless this food and then like tears start coming down her eye I mean it was just incredible passionate prayer warrior so when I think about prayer I think about Grandma Ruth I think about Grandma Bell that's the first thing that that comes to mind now I don't know what your experience is with prayer but what I want what I want us to do this morning is as we get into this passage I, I want to ask you to do a little bit of a self-evaluation a little bit of a self-reflection how would you describe your prayer life? If, if somebody asked you to say, how, what's your prayer life like? And nobody's going to ask you. I'm not going to, you know, you don't have to, it's not confession time. I just want you to internally reflect on your prayer life. Would you say that your prayer life is hot and passionate and active and vibrant? Or would it be stale and dry and boring and infrequent? Do you only pray alone or do you only pray with others? How often do you pray as a family? I want you to, to start thinking through these things. Do you only pray when you're running late for work? Dear Jesus, help me get there on time. Thanks, Jesus. See you tomorrow when I'm running late for work. Do you only pray when you're in trouble? What, what is your prayer life? Like, what does it look like in your life? What does it look like in your family? Now, believe it or not, I've known a handful of individuals that they love to pray so much, they converted a room of their house into a prayer room. And they, like, put, you know, crosses on the wall and scripture everywhere. And they had, like, worship music playing in there 24-7. And they, they dedicated a whole room of their house to a prayer room. That's really loving prayer. Um, I've known other people that didn't dedicate a whole room, but like a closet, like a walk-in closet. And they would 
have their little prayer station and they would go in there and they would spend hours in prayer. I've only known a handful of people that have done that. Um, I'm not one of them. We use all of our rooms to put kids in. Um, and we're even doubling that up a little bit. So, um, sorry, Lord, you gave us these kids so you don't get a room in our house. But anyway, the, I'll give you a room in my house, Lord, if you'll bless me with a bigger house. Amen. So, um, anyway, amen. amen, thank you. So, back to prayer. Um, that's not what I would call the typical Christian experience. Um, I would bet that if maybe there's one of you in here that has something like that going. Um, what I've experienced and talking with people, it, it's really more rare. And most people, the majority of people that I've known would be people who say, you know what, if I'm being honest, I kind of struggle in this area. I, I, I don't think I pray as much as I should, and I know I should be praying more. Um, and I've, I've met a lot of people, talked with a lot of people that say, I, I just, I don't know how to pray. It feels awkward. It feels like I'm talking to the ceiling. Um, I don't feel like I know the right words to say. And so we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to spend some time over the next few weeks just talking about prayer because I want to help you. This is an important part of the Christian life. This is an important part of the Christian experience. This is an important part of following Jesus, that we have access to God's presence anywhere, 24-7, through this incredible thing called prayer. And my hope over, over the next few weeks, I, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. If the last time you prayed was on your honeymoon, well, you know, God bless you. Um, I, I want to encourage you and to lead you into um, something more and something deeper. Not to condemn you at all, but to, to encourage you, to, to build you up. So um, Matthew chapter 6 is, is where we're going to be. And um, there's actually a lot that Jesus taught on prayer. And we're not going to be able to cover it all in this series, but Jesus taught a lot on prayer. And before he gets to what we call, quote-unquote, the Lord's Prayer, which starts in verse 9, he gives this preface to us about prayer. He says, when you pray, verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. How many of you want to be a hypocrite? Now, I just came from a youth camp, and every stupid question I asked, there was five middle school guys that, like, raised their hand, you know. <laughs> I mean, really, really, I mean, so I was looking to see if there was anybody, because I started making fun of them as it went on, because they, anyway, okay, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, that was their place of prayer, and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse seven. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, 
for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. What I want you to see from this, this introduction to the Lord's Prayer is that prayer is not for show. Prayer is not a show that we put on for other people. Prayer is not something that we do in front of other people so they can know how spiritual we are. So that they can be impressed by our Christian verbiage. So that they can um, think that we're very holy because we pray in King James English, right? It's like Victorian and these and thous and all this high language. Prayer is not a show that we put on for other people. Prayer is not about being seen by men. Prayer is about being heard by God. So Jesus says that, that the majority of your prayers, they shouldn't be being seen by others. And so that's why I asked that question earlier. Is the only time you pray when you're around other people, when you're in a, a, a church service like this or a prayer, a time like um, we have from time to time? Or is it, do you have a private prayer life? Jesus says that, that there's an expectation that we would pray privately, that we would have this, communi this communication with God on an ongoing and a regular basis. So prayer is not about being seen by men. Prayer is about being heard by God. What we see is that there, are, there were people in Jesus' day who, who loved to pray these elaborate, um, very beautiful prayers to impress other people. And Jesus, what does he say about that? He said it doesn't impress God. It might impress other people, but it, it's not moving God. It's not moving his heart. So prayer is not about being seen by others. It's not for show. And then in verse 7, he says, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. He's saying, don't just fill the air with words. Prayer is not about the quantity of words. Prayer is about the condition of your heart. It's not the amount of words that gets God's attention. It's the condition of my heart that gets God's attention. David said in Psalm chapter 51, he said, a broken and humble heart, God, you will not despise. You see, we can fool people by putting on a good show, by putting on an outward show. We can, we can have all the lingo down. We, we, can, we can know the right words. We can fill the air with our words. But, but Jesus is saying, look, if it's not coming from your heart, it's not doing anything. The words are just going nowhere. That it has to be about coming from your heart. And you can't fake it before God. You can fake it in front of other people. They could say, wow, he's really got it together. And look at this. And wow, he knows how to pray. But you can do all of that and, and really not be praying. Because it's not just about the words that come out of your mouth. It's about the condition of your heart. This is what Jesus is saying. And so we, we need to make sure that it, it's not just the words. The words are important. The words are important, but that it, the words are actually coming from our heart. That it's, it's true and that it's genuine and that it's real. And so 
if, if you're at a, a time of prayer before the Lord and it, it's a time for you to express what's in your heart to God. God's not looking for you to go and spend time with him um, and you just say a whole bunch of religi religious phrases. He's looking for you to express your heart to him. And he says, your father knows what you need even before you ask him. He, he already knows what's going on in your life. And so he doesn't need you to tell him what to do. I don't know if he knew that. God's not up there in heaven. Oh, what am I supposed to do today? Oh, not enough people are praying. I guess I got the day off. It, no, God knows what to do. God knows what you need. So prayer is about drawing us into a relationship with him. Prayer is about us being real with God, expressing to God what's really going on in our hearts and in our lives. So that's the, th those are the, the, the preludes to what Jesus then gives as the model prayer. Now, in Luke chapter 11, the, the same or similar prayer is given. So Jesus would teach the same message different times in different places as he traveled. And in Luke chapter 11, um, it says that Jesus went to pray, and Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time in prayer. That Jesus went away to pray, and that when he came back, his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he also gave this prayer again. And so this is uh, a, a model for us as Christians for how we should pray. In verse 9, Jesus says, pray then like this. So don't pray like that, but do pray like this. In Luke 11, it says, and when you pray, say this. So we can use this as a model, but we can also pray this prayer. We can use these very words to pray as long as they're coming from our hearts. So the first thing that he says, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time, is on the first line of the model prayer, which is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing you need to know, the first thing, and if you only know one thing about prayer, this is what you need to know. God is your Father. You are talking to your heavenly Father. If you only know one thing about prayer, you need to know that when you pray, you're coming into your Father's presence, the heavenly Father's presence. You see, because of what Christ has done in our lives, the, the separation that exists between us and God because of sin it has been washed away. The barrier has been removed. That we pray in the, in the name of Jesus when we pray. And that means that we're coming to the Father, not on behalf of our own merit, but on behalf of the work that Christ has done in our lives. That because of what Christ has done for me, I stand before God not as a condemned sinner, but as a righteous saint. I don't stand before God unrighteous. I stand before God clothed in Christ's righteousness. And so because of that, I am welcomed into God's presence. I am welcomed into spending time with him as a father delighting in his child. Now, actually, believe it or not, this word father 
a more accurate translation would actually be the word daddy. Daddy. Now, if you want to pray daddy God, that's okay. That's not really my thing. I feel weird doing that. Um, But if if that helps you, go for it. It it certainly would be biblical. Um, But it's this idea that, that God is our father and that God is a good father. You see, some of us will struggle mightily with this idea of God as Father because we struggled very much with our earthly father. Some of us have a a deep father wound. Uh, Some of us have been wounded and hurt by our father. Some of us, I thank God that I had a a, a godly father who uh, was was a good model of of who the heavenly father was. And I, I thank God for that and I praise God for that. Um, and I'm endeavoring by the grace of God to be that for my own children. Um, but because many of you were abandoned by your father, or your father proved to be unfaithful, or he didn't love and care for you the way that he should have, we, we then take that image of our earthly father and we apply it to our heavenly father. And you have to know God the Father is not like that. He will never leave you or forsake you. His his relationship with you is not based on your performance. It's not if you do the right things, he's going to love you. And if you do the wrong things, he, he, that's not the God that we serve. We serve a God of love and grace. We serve a God of relationship. A God that desires, desires to have relationship with you. We, we see this played out so beautifully in, in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son that that left his father, that disowned his father, that wasted his inheritance. And yet after many years that this son has been gone, the father is saying, he's at home waiting and looking for the son to return. That every day the father would go out and, and look down the road and look down the horizon and say, is today the day my son is coming home? You see, God loves you no matter where you're at. No matter what stage of life that you're in, whether you're serving him or not, whether you're walking with him or not, whether you're praying a lot or not, God loves you and his desire is to have a relationship with you. That's the first thing. That's the most important thing that you need to know, that you've got to know about prayer, that prayer is coming into the presence of a perfect, good, gracious father who loves to embrace his children, who loves to spend time with me and you in his presence. Can I get an amen? Amen. A good father, a good father gives protection to his children. The Bible says that God is watching over us. How many of you glad that God protects us? I believe God protects us in a million different ways every single day that we would never even see. That a good father gives security to his children. I want you to know that if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, your eternity is secure. Your eternity is secure because of what God has done for us. A good father provides safety and provision for his children. A good father loves to pour out blessing on his kids. I love, you know what I love to do? I love to take my kids to get ice cream. I love to do it. 
Now their dentist doesn't love it and their mother doesn't always love it. But I will, you know, be, but also because I love them, I won't let them eat ice cream 24/7. <laughs> so it's it's I love to pour out blessings, but I want the blessings to be a blessing. And so sometimes God will withhold things from us that we think are good things because actually we would use and abuse them in such a way that wouldn't be a blessing in our life. Now my kids, they cannot for the life of me understand, life of them understand why I don't let them eat candy and ice cream and pizza 24-7. They, don't, they can't understand that. It's beyond their ability. It's beyond their capacity. And, and some of us, we've we prayed, we've asked God for certain things that we would think would be a blessing. And, and we can't, for the life of us, understand, God, why haven't you given this? And why haven't you answered this prayer yet? The truth is that God knows. God can see things that we can't see. He looks into our heart. And a lot of times we would take what, we, what he would give to us as a blessing, and it wouldn't be a blessing in our lives. And so anyway, um, God is a good father, and he loves to pour out uh, blessing on you. God is a faithful father. He will never leave you or forsake you. Fathers, this is Father's Day. Let me just say a word to the men here. You are painting a picture in your children's mind of who God is. Every day, every day, you add a brushstroke to that picture in their mind of who God is. For good or for bad, for good or for bad, we base our, our idea of the heavenly father based on our earthly father, good or bad. And what kind of picture, I want, guys, men, I want you to reflect on this. What kind of picture are you painting for your children of the God that we serve? Will your children be able to embrace the Father in heaven because of the example that you've left them? Or will your children struggle because of the example that you've left them? This is a, a, a big responsibility. This is a responsibility that God has given to fathers and given to men. And I know, I know that with the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, that you men that can hear my voice right now, that you can leave a good and godly legacy and picture for the Heavenly Father in your children's minds. I know that you can. I believe that you can. I believe if you will humble yourself before God and submit to Him and, and walk with Him and, and teach your children the ways of God, you are not going to be perfect. We're all imperfect. We all fail. But in, in the big picture, at the end of the day, Will your children, what kind of picture will they have of God because of you? You need to be thinking about that. It's a responsibility that you have, that God has given you to shape in your, your children's mind, in your children's heart, a picture of the God that we serve. Now, um, because God gives us protection and security and he is faithful to us, because of these things, we depend upon God. Amen? As children who depend on their parents to provide these things for them, we depend upon God to provide these things for us. Even our own life, even our next breath, we're dependent upon God for. The truth is, are we going to acknowledge our dependence upon Him? God is 
God is looking for relationship. See, the enemy, what he loves to do, he loves to, he loves to bring a voice of condemnation in your life. And so the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will stir you. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. Hey, pray. It's time to pray. Take a couple minutes. Go and spend some time with the Lord praying. Hey, let's pray with your family. Let's get them together. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to do those things. And then right behind that, you know what comes? The voice of the enemy. The voice of the accuser. It's a voice of condemnation. Who do you think you are to pray? You haven't prayed since your honeymoon. How do you think that you're going to start praying now? You, you're, you're, you've been a horrible example to your family, and now you're going to be this holy roller? Anybody identify with any of this? Or is it, am I the only one that the devil talks to? Okay. <laughs> Maybe I am. I don't know. Like, and, and we have to decide. Either, either I'm going to listen and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm going to listen to the lies of the enemy. But God is not a God of condemnation. The Romans 8.1, there's now, there are no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That, that it, it doesn't matter what your past has been. It's about who are you going to live and how are you going to live in Christ in your future. And your future starts right now. Your future starts right now. You say, I haven't been a man of prayer. Great. Be a man of prayer. Well, I haven't done it right in the past. Stop. Push the reset button. Today's a new day in Christ. Every day. His mercies are new every single morning. That means every morning I wake up, and thank God they are, because I use them up in a 24-hour period. I need new mercies every day. I, I, I cannot give in to the voice of condemnation, to the lies of the enemy, because it will stop the work of God in my life. So have some courage. Step out in faith. Pull your family together. Pull your kids together. Pull your wife together. Hey, let's spend some time in prayer. Let's, let's, let's open up the word today. And, and even if all you do is use this prayer as the model prayer, just start somewhere. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be all the right words. You might fumble around a little bit, but it's not about the words. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. So, uh, the next phrase is this, hallowed be your name. Now, this word hallowed, um, how many of you used that this week? <laughs> Probably not, unless you prayed the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed, it, it's kind of an old way of saying holy. If it's a hallowed place, it's a holy place. So, this is a petition so the first line is our Father in heaven. That's who we are praying to. The rest of the prayer is petitions. This is not a declaration. This is not a declaration, holy is your name. Hallowed is your name. That's not what this is. This is a petition, hallowed be your name. And what this means is, is that for, for something to be holy, it means that it's, it's separate, that God's name is, is separate or that it's consecrated or that it's set apart, that it's special, that you have love for it, that you have affection for it, that you have uh, a desire for it, that it is set apart in your life, that God is set apart in your life, that you treasure God, that you revere God, that you love God. That's what it means for God to be holy in your life. 
And so what this is, this isn't just a, a matter of the mind. This is, again, this matter of the heart. This isn't a declaration. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. This is a request. This is a petition. This is part of the prayer. Our Father in heaven, would you be holy in my life? Would your name be hallowed in my life? And when we come to God in prayer, Jesus says the first thing that you need to ask from God is that he would work in your heart to make him number one. That's the first thing on the list. Jesus says when you pray, pray like this. Go to your Father in heaven and say, God, would you help me to put you first in my life? That's what I need above anything else. Your greatest need is not material. Your greatest need is spiritual. Your greatest need that you have right now is that you would put God first in your heart and in your life. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. All the other needs, all the other desires, all the other wants, all the other dreams, all of those other things. But first you must seek God. He has to have that first place. And so we come to God in prayer and we say, God... Would you be number one in my life? Help me through the power of your spirit to, to make you number one in my life. And you know what's going to happen as soon as you do that? God's going to tell you what's number one in your life. All of a sudden, what's number one is going to be in your mind. And, the, and what God is saying is, are you going to deal with that? Are you going to deal with that? Are you going to deal with that thing? And there are, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a sin. But anything that we put in God's place, we can't make good things God things. You, and you don't have to, you know, say, say you love a hobby, say you love going fishing or something like that. How many of you love to fish? Two people, great. Okay, you love going fishing. Wonderful, excellent. Fishing is good. Fishing is godly. Jesus went fishing. Okay? So you love to fish, you love to fish, you love to fish. You, you, you know... It's church and Bass Pro Shop. Those are the two hallowed places in your life. <laughs> what God is not saying is that you need to lower your, your love for Bass Pro Shop and fishing. But what God is saying is that you need to increase, that he needs to go to number one. It, it doesn't mean that I have to diminish the other things in my life that I love. What it does mean is that I need to move God to number one. That I need to pursue him the first and pursue him the hardest and have my heart stirred towards him the most. It doesn't mean I can't enjoy other things like riding roller coasters or whatever your thing is, okay? But it does mean that God needs to be number one. And so Jesus says when you come to God in prayer, you go into his presence as his father and you say father help me to put you first in my life today today how many of you would be happy if you could just make it through one day one day today help help me to put you first in my life today help me to not let other things come and and, and to take that place of holiness in my life away from you God, help me to desire you above anything else. 
And this request, it, it directly targets our hearts, right? It, it's immediately starting to, to reorient our hearts. And as we go through the prayer, we'll get to the point where you, you start asking God for stuff. Give me some bread. Help me to forgive my coworkers, right? All, all of these things, these things that we need. And God knows that we need them. And yes, we can ask for them. But before we start asking God for stuff, we need to get our heart right. Because when my heart is right, you know what's going to change? The stuff I want. When God changes your heart, all of a sudden the things you think you want, the things you think you need, it begins to change as well. And so before you can even ask for the right things, you need God to change your heart. And so we come to God, we ask him to change our heart. He begins to change our heart. It, it changes the things that we pray for. And this is what it means to pray according to his name. And Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, it will be given to you. The problem is we don't ask according to his nature, character, and will. We ask according to our nature, character, and will. Even though we say in Jesus' name at the end, we just prayed a prayer in Matt's name. We prayed, a, we prayed what I want, not what he wants. And so as God changes our hearts, it actually changes what we pray for. And so oftentimes we ask God to change the outside. Well, change my circumstances. Give me a raise. Give me a big raise, God. Give me a bigger house. Give me a ski boat. Give me this, that, and the other. And Lord, bless these other people as well, if you can get around to that. And um, all this external stuff, right? All this external. But God is using prayer not to change the external, but to change this person right here, the inside. Because God changes your life by changing your heart. If your heart changes, guess what? Everything else changes. If your heart changes, your relationships change. If your heart changes, your occupation, your job changes. If God can change your heart, he can change your life. And so before we begin asking God for you know, X, Y, and Z, our laundry list, God, good morning, here's your to-do list today. You say, God, thank you that you're my father. Thank you that I can come into your presence today. Thank you that you welcome me in with open arms. Thank you that I'm clothed in your righteousness today. Thank you that I'm not standing on my own work, but I'm standing on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross in my place for my sin. Thank you that I can come into your presence and that you love me and that you promise to protect me and to heal me and all of the things that come from a good father. And Lord, would you change my heart today? Help me to be more like you. And how different would your day be if you started every day like that? Your whole life would change. Why? Because you would change. You would be a different person if you begin to pray like that. And that's not complicated. That's not hard. It's not complex. You don't have to go to Bible school and get a theology degree to be able to do that. It's just a conversation with God. So, at the beginning, I asked you today, how is your prayer life? And maybe it is red hot and on fire and, and rocking and rolling. Great. If that's you, put me at the top of your prayer list. Thank you. Pray for me. <laughs> pray for my kids. Pray for my wife. God bless you. If you're like probably a lot of the rest of us, there's, I think there's a lot of room that we can grow in this. And, and you don't have to go from being like, you know, 
prayer novice to prayer warrior overnight. That's not what God's looking for. All God is looking for is relationship. All God is looking for is for you to spend time in his presence talking to him. And so let me encourage you over the next few weeks as we go through this model prayer. Start every day by praying this prayer. Start every day by, by maybe pulling your family together, taking a moment, and praying this prayer together. If you have kids, do it together as a family, a wife, whatever. Do it all together. Dads, take the initiative. Be the leader that God's called you to be. I know you can do it, and it will bless your family. Amen. And let it be from the heart. Let it be from the heart. Don't worry about the words. Maybe the words will get messed up. God doesn't care. He wants your heart. He wants to spend time with his children.